Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So today we're going to talk about an interesting topic, to say the least, one that you thought was a good idea and something important for us to discuss. Yeah, definitely important. We're going to talk about periods and specifically heavy periods, because that is something I consistently get as a symptom for most of my female patients. And honestly, probably the majority of my patients are women. And that's something that we definitely want to talk about is heavy periods because they are way more common than people allude to because it's something that, you know, I'm a female, I've had heavy periods. You don't really want to talk about that. You might talk about it with your girlfriends here and there, but it's not something that you super feel confident talking about with your doctor, which is why I always address it. And I'm usually the one that has to bring it up first is heavy periods, but they're a lot more common than you think. And conventionally, for heavy periods is birth control pills, which honestly, you don't want to go on those unless you absolutely have to, and a hysterectomy or an ablation. So before you're running into an invasive treatments, we kind of want to talk about what causes them. And that for those of you having heavy periods, you're not alone. And for you fellas, I hope you're not like trying to crawl underneath a hole somewhere because it's an embarrassing topic. Yeah, you know, it's a little cliche. Men hear the word, they hear bleeding period, and they kind of cower in the corner a little bit. Or, you know, the husband or the boyfriend that has to go to the supermarket to buy tampons and he's all embarrassed. I'm not really sure. Now, granted, I talk to women about the same stuff, so I don't find it a big deal. I'm not really sure why men find it so awkward and uncomfortable. I don't really understand that. So if you're men that are listening, have some patience. This is a, an important issue for women. And like you said, one that they're, you know, conventionally, there's really not a lot of good solutions for, you know, maybe the surgery and procedures, save those afterwards, save those for like a, you know, last case scenario, if, if you're not have, able to have any success, but these are options that women are not really aware of sometimes. No, no. And like you said, it's kind of hard to talk about. Maybe it is cliche. I'm sure you fellas that are listening are boyfriends or spouses or partners. You know, we're girls. We're a little complicated. So that complication comes with us. But it is funny when you were talking, it kind of reminded me of a when I was in high school, my girlfriend, one of my best friend, she was house sitting her dad's uh, condo and she had some like a little party and they threw up on her on her sheets and she had to like wash a bunch of sheets and some towels and some blankets and when her dad you know she was terrified because she doesn't normally have to do laundry it was just for the weekend and she was like asking me what do I do he's gonna ask me why I had to wash all these clothes he's coming home in an hour or you know and all these blankets I said just tell him you got your period and sure enough he was kind of angry like why did you have to wash all these clothes what happened and she was like well I had a friend visit he was like angry well what who 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 came to visit she's like my period and then immediately that was done (laughs) mum is a word yeah so if there was any men listening up to this point they probably 
probably have already turned it off. And that's fine. Like I said, men are big babies. They're total big babies. But this is definitely something that we both see more often than not. And surprisingly, it's not just for women in their teens and 20s. This goes into women's in their 30s and 40s, sometimes even into their 50s. These kind of things can happen. And of course, a woman that is bleeding abnormally, either too much or too frequently or both, it's enough to get your attention because you automatically think that there's something wrong and you're not really sure what to do about it. Not to mention... And I'm not a woman, so I can't relate, but not to mention the inconvenience of having to deal with this on a regular basis. Oh, trust me. I mean, we do laugh about it because, you know, you can't, you can't be serious all the time. But, you know, I talk with patients all the time. When you have heavy periods, you are aware of wherever the bathroom is. If you're going on a road trip, you know where all the places you can stop to go to the bathroom. I've even, you know, I, we even laugh with patients about if you're in a meeting, you have to check the clock so you know when you need to slip off to the bathroom to make sure you're not leaking through that tampon into the pad, which is very, very common. So it is common, but for the most part, heavy periods are pretty benign. I mean, there are certain medical conditions that that might be one symptom of. So you definitely want to talk to your doctor to make sure there's no underlying medical condition. And sure, heavy periods can cause anemia, low iron. But for the most part, having a heavy period is benign. It's just kind of literally a pain from cramps to having to know where the bathroom is to having lots of tampons and pads shoved into every nook and cranny of your house and purse and car. It's kind of irritating. But like Dr. Mackey was saying, before you run off and have something you know invasive, it's kind of nice to know that you're not alone and also know, well, where is this coming from? Yeah. So this one, this episode, we're going to talk more about the cause of them, the cause of having heavy periods, because it does, it is a little bit different depending on what decade you're in and also giving some other reasons. There's kind of like a, not really a main one, but there's a, you know, a few specific underlying issues and there's some other medical things that can contribute to that. And then I'm probably on another episode in the future, we will talk a little bit more about how you can deal with them. But part of this explanation is where it comes from, you know, kind of makes for some obvious treatment options. So why don't we kind of go into what a woman asks the question, why do I have heavy periods or you know, what causes heavy periods? What would you tell them? Well, commonly when they ask that, you're looking at them and they're probably in their 40s. It is common, it more common for women in their 40s to have heavier periods because of a, the estrogen and progesterone balance to each other. I don't want to call it an imbalance because our hormones are changing our entire lives. Inevitably, you know, we go through menopause, so it's not really an imbalance, but it's just the way the estrogen and progesterone are paired up with each other. So when we hit our 40s, 40s, you know, our progesterone tends to drop. And what progesterone does is progesterone helps rein in some of the negative effects of estrogen. And one effect of estrogen is to grow things, literally grow things like breast tissue, your waistline, your uterine lining. It will grow that uterine lining so thick that when you do have a period, it's really heavy, crampy, long, or even some people will have two periods in a month. Now, I have seen females in their 20s and their 30s, and they have heavier periods that might be for other hormonal, you know, imbalances or after coming off of birth control. Sometimes that can cause a little bit of a hormonal imbalance, so to speak, with that estrogen and progesterone. But typically it is more, I notice, low progesterone rather than high estrogen. Right. Yeah. So the estrogen is somewhat normal. If the woman's in her 40s, it's probably already in, kind of in a state of decline anyways, maybe just because of where she is. But it's really that lack of progesterone that doesn't keep the bleeding in check. 
So that's definitely one way that causes that heavy periods. And then that's why most women that get ablations, ablations are when you go in and you basically remove the lining of the uterus. You don't remove the uterus. It's not a hysterectomy, but you remove the lining of the uterus down to the basement membrane. And then every month when that uterine lining is supposed to thicken, there isn't any lining to thicken. But it doesn't mean that they still have low progesterone, which is has other symptoms in itself. But, you know, this one, we're talking about the heavy periods. Right, right, right. So what are, in addition to low progesterone kind of being, you know, one of the major issues, I would even say, right, that's even possible for a woman in her 20s, teens and 20s to have that same issue. What are some other things that can contribute to quote unquote, heavy periods or heavy bleeding? Well, with the hormones, estrogen being too high, that can happen. Really, you know, we talk about this a lot, especially Dr. Mackey is, high levels of insulin, you know, it does raise up that estrogen. And then estrogen, like I said, likes to grow things. Then not only do you have that insulin and that estrogen, that's why people end up putting on weight more so than it would be if they didn't have that higher insulin and estrogen. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we don't need to get into that right now, but insulin is one of those, as we have talked about on other episodes, we talk about the primary metabolic hormones, insulin, cortisol, thyroid, and the secondary sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, when you have an imbalance or you have too much or an excess of the metabolic hormones, it's going to have a trickle-down effect on those secondary hormones. In this case, what looks like in some ways, and there's this manifests in a few different ways, but what looks like on the surface is a female hormone issue is really an insulin issue. Uh, if it is that true estrogen dominance type of situation, which we'll talk more about on future episodes. Yeah, exactly. Because just on a little caveat that we were talking about, because we're always talking about trying to bring down that insulin, insulin is the only fat storing hormone. So if you have a lot of insulin, you're going to store fat and adipose tissue itself is kind of like its own metabolic endocrine system. You could say it has its, you know, it adipose tissue fat cells secrete their own hormones. So one thing that adipose tissue can secrete is it can, it can secrete or start to kind of upregulate estrone, which estrone is E1. It's like the negative kind of estrogen. We have estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estrone is like what we have a lot when you're young and you're just starting to get your period because estrone has a lot of negative effects. One of them is it can cause weight gain in itself. So it's almost like this sort of perpetuating cycle as insulin causes us to gain weight, that adipose fat tissue causes that estrone to go up, which then you have this kind of vicious cycle. Yeah, right. So when it comes to you know excessive estrogen, if you have some fat tissue that is creating too much of it, your hormones are cycling on a monthly basis anyway. So the first half of the month is predominated by estrogen. But now if you have fat tissue that is producing more, now you have estrogen all month long, and now the uterine lining can grow, you can develop fibroids, you can start having all these other kind of estrogen-related issues, but it's being driven by that excess of insulin, that insulin-resistant process is kind of in motion. And like you had mentioned, fibroids. So fibroids are benign, but they are kind of like growths or tumor-like growths in the actual uterus, and they can cause heavy periods. So there's fibroids, which are really common, polyps, which aren't quite as common, but they run in families. They're like, they're not like little growths like the fibroids. They're just almost like, I guess you can call it like, they actually look like 
jello. They're like little polyps of jello in the lining of your uterus, and that can cause heavy periods too, or it can cause irregular bleeding. Also cysts, having ovarian cysts, because little cysts on your ovaries sometimes have little minds of their own, and they secrete their own hormones as well, and that can cause heavy or irregular periods or spotting. But with all of those, I mean, they do run in families. We're females, we get them, but Sometimes when a person has too much estrogen or too little progesterone to balance out that estrogen, that can exacerbate the growth of these, you know, uterine, the uterine polyps, the uterine fibroids, the cysts. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, as you've mentioned before, it's kind of like this symphony, right? Everything needs to be in balance. And when there's imbalance, then there's, you know, kind of a trickle down effect and other things begin to happen. And it, maybe it's individualized why one imbalance manifests in one way in a particular woman it may it, same problem may manifest in a completely different way in another woman and just to kind of circle back a little bit you know we were talking about insulin and insulin causing that estrogen progesterone imbalance but also too it can cause that progesterone to drop is a low thyroid so somebody having hypothyroid or an, an underactive thyroid that one of the first symptoms that you see in females is kind of heavy uncomfortable, long periods, sometimes two periods in a month, sometimes just 14 days of a period. And then 14 days later, they get another period. That's, you know, whenever somebody tells me, regardless of their age, that they're having heavy periods, of course, I want to check that estrogen and progesterone, but we definitely want to look into that thyroid. Yeah. So, which is, I think a very unconventional approach, right? Where you actually exert some kind of an impact or some kind of intervention for the thyroid function to improve the female cycle. I think that's a great approach. You and I both do that all the time. We do that because we see that it improves, it, you know, as opposed to just like you say, the conventional approach, just give them birth control and send them on their way. That doesn't really solve anything. That doesn't, that's just putting kind of a bandaid on the problem. And sometimes it just doesn't even work at all. So definitely looking at thyroid and kind of looking more again at the patient, if they already are having heavy bleeding issues, that means that their thyroid might be under function regardless of their numbers because you treat the patient first, not the lab test. You look at the patient's symptoms, and if that tells you a, a particular story, so the labs, unfortunately, the labs are important. We do them all the time, but the labs don't always tell us the full story. Sometimes the labs can be a little bit ambiguous and not tell us what we want to know. Yeah, when someone has an underactive thyroid or even a subclinical underactive thyroid, when you treat that, you do notice within, and it's not the first cycle, it usually takes about three months, about three cycles before they, you know, it really does kind of lighten up a little bit. And, you know, with heavy periods, everybody's different. It does run in the family. But if you could, like our with my gals that have really heavy periods, I say, if you can at least go two hours without going to the bathroom and you're not leaking through the tampon into the pad, that's what we want, you know, for those that have have the really heavy periods we but I have some people they put in two tampons they have to go to the bathroom every 45 minutes so once you kind of help with that thyroid if that's you know in part sort of exacerbating or part of this issue is usually within about three months you can lighten it down a little bit and they're so happy with that because truly those of you that have heavy periods and I've had heavy periods in the past is it's like a part-time job during that, you know, what am I doing? Are we, and of course, when you get that period, you probably have a vacation planned. That's like Murphy's law is, oh, I'm going on vacation. Here comes my period. You know, you're, it's like, it is, it's like a, a part-time job that you're trying to kind of juggle a little bit, but of course you're trying to do it by yourself because you don't really want to talk to other people about it. 
Yeah. Or like you said, if you go to your gynecologist or your primary care, there's really not really that many good options anyways to help you deal with that. So you're just kind of left, like you said, you're just left managing it, you know, as uncomfortable or as inconvenient as it might be. So what are some other, you know, those are kind of the main things really from a root underlying cause perspective, the things that are contributing. What are some other things that can contribute to heavy periods? I, endometriosis can. Endometriosis is a whole nother probably several podcasts on its own to talk about the theories and the origin and all that. And, and just for, you know, transparency is I have endometriosis or I've had it. I wouldn't say I have it now in some respects, because you don't know if you have it unless you have a laparoscopic surgery. And I have had that, but I do feel like, you know, I used to have very heavy periods and it came more from the endometriosis. And before my thyroid was found to be low and trust me, I, Everything, you know, all that part-time job, running to the bathroom, looking at your clock, knowing where, you know, when it's going to happen. You know, I've been through that, but with the endometriosis, I feel like that is more of, you know, everything kind of comes back together is more of that, you know, you have to treat the thyroid. You have to find out what's going on with that estrogen and progesterone imbalance. And then when you correct that, then you can actually kind of reduce some of those symptoms. So for me, I don't have the heavy periods anymore or the endometriosis symptoms or, you know, cause we worked on that, but definitely endometriosis is one thing that can create heavy periods or irregular periods or two periods in a month or chronic, chronic spotting. Yeah. So pain, uh, and I'm not being a typical, you know, uh, naive man, but this is why there are tampons like everywhere in the car, in the glove box, in the house. Yeah. When you've had heavy periods before, like granted mine aren't anymore, there's still that nagging thought in my head, like, Oh, it could be. So I always have to be prepared, sure, even yeah. though it's been years since, you know, I've leaked through the tampon into the pad and, you know, don't ever have white underwear. It's been years, but it's still that nagging thought. You still think, oh, it could happen this month. It could, but it doesn't. You know it's not going to. But yeah, so I do have to keep things around. <laughs> uh, so the point is, though, for men that don't understand, and I'm sure there's no men listening to this any longer, you know, because they're just big babies. But it is normal for those kinds of things to happen because you're, like you said, you're just trying to be prepared. You're just trying to prevent a disaster, a social disaster, and probably gives you a little bit of peace of mind. And whether it's that way now, but it had been in the past, so there's always that potential that it could, you know, it just could come back. So anything else that, you know, would be kind of on that list of common causes? You know, IUDs, IUDs are, you know, a form of birth control. And actually, as opposed to just in my personal opinion, I kind of like it a little bit better than actual oral birth control because a lot of, even the hormonal IUDs now only secrete out to the uterine lining. So it does, it's not quite that systemic effect that birth control pills have. Now, granted, I don't like any synthetic hormones or any of that garbage or jazz, but if it was absolutely necessary, but IUDs do, can cause heavy periods. There is a non-hormonal IUD that's like the copper IUD. So a lot of people like that because it doesn't have hormones in it, but at the same time, sometimes in some women having that kind of, you know, this foreign object in the uterus can cause the uterus to say, well, where's that coming from? And then it causes heavy periods. So in some women, I have some women that have not had a period in years. They have an IUD and they don't, they haven't had a period since their last child. And then I have some women that get the IUD in and they can't stop bleeding. So it really depends on the person. Right, right, right. And I think the last one that probably isn't as common necessarily, because you 
I'm trying to think of a scenario that would happen, but certain medications, like for example, like blood thinning medications, that could be a possible cause. Yeah, blood thinning, blood pressure, cert- yeah, certain yeah, medications. But, uh, in some ways in our population, you know, you don't really associate those types of medications very frequently in these types of problems. Birth control pills, and some people, birth control pills will cause heavy bleeding. And then in some people, they get no bleeding or they get lighter bleeding. It really depends on the person. Right, right, right. So hopefully this gives some insight. Hopefully this kind of sheds some light on a, I wouldn't say an awkward topic, but one that really is hard to get answers from. Because again, if you go to your gynecologist, they're just going to want to put you on birth control or consider a procedure, ablation or hysterectomy. I think that used to be really common. I think, you know, my mom had a hysterectomy back in the 70s, I think maybe 80s, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, I think it was a procedure that was done a lot. I think they've cut down on the frequency, but I, I think they still do them a lot because they don't really have a lot of options. Because no, if you're in your 40s, you don't necessarily want to go on birth control pills, but I have a lot of patients who do because of the heavy periods. I mean, even for me back in the 90s and late 80s, I was put on birth control pills. You know, it's just, that's, and, and so medicine in that realm has not really come a far way. Yeah, right. You think in 2007, there'd be lots of options. And really in a matter of, you know, 30, 40 years, they're still doing kind of the same approach where what we've tried to at least, you know, kind of shed some light on, we come at it from a completely different approach that doesn't require those things whatsoever. And we haven't even talked about all the potential. Not only diet can have an impact on that, certainly supplementation and of course certain medications. And now you can completely resolve some of these issues or at least control it to the point where it's quote unquote normal, as opposed to abnormal bleeding. And like you said, that way, the full-time job or the part-time job, you can kind of retire from that. You don't have to worry so much or prepare so much because it's back to a, a normal, what would you say? A normal what? A normal? Well, it depends on the person. Some women can go six hours and not even have to think about it. But for my heavy bleeders, if they, and it's, if we can get it to where they can go comfortably two hours and you know, after two hours, most of us have to go to the bathroom anyway, cause we're drinking water. So usually if they can go two hours, they haven't leaked through their tampon into their pad. They are very happy. And then at night they don't necessarily have to worry about it so much. Cause I have women that sleep on towels at night because they, you know, you're trying to sleep, you can't exactly go to the bathroom every hour. So it's if we can get them comfortably two hours during the day, and then they can sleep through the night, maybe wake up once through the night, they are thrilled. Yeah, those are insights that I don't think a lot of people understand. And even some of the detail that you just mentioned now, I deal with these kind of things myself all the time too. And I don't necessarily know if I understood that myself. So this is good. I hope hopefully this does kind of I wouldn't necessarily call heavy periods or heavy bleeding a taboo topic, but one that probably doesn't get discussed a lot and one where if you do look online, WebMD or some of these, you know, common medical websites, you're going to find kind of the cliche information all the time, all the time, all the time, which is why I think you wanted to talk about this, right? Because you want, it's one you see clinically all the time and people are kind of just reiterating the same information all the time. So it leaves women a little bit lost as far as knowing what to do. Or they get scared because you're right, you go on WebMD or you go on Dr. Google, I'll, you know, they talk about blood thinning disorders, you know, Von Willebrand's disorders, blood thinning, you know, which does, you know, factor five latent, you know, different blood thinning disorders, which are common, but really not that common. Right, right, right. Yeah. You just, cause you're having a heavy period doesn't mean you have a bleeding disorder or a clotting problem. You know, it probably means again, why we're talking about it probably means more than anything. You have a hormonal problem, but it's not really addressed that way. So Again, hopefully this has been um, eye-opening. It actually has been for me. 
me just from a day-to-day female perspective, right? I'm not a woman, obviously, so I there's things that I can understand and empathize, but there's some things that I can't understand just because, you know, just because from a practitioner perspective, I totally get it. It makes lots of sense. And the, you know, being able to help people solve that problem. We'll talk more about the treatment side of things on another episode, but this hopefully served its purpose. Do you have anything, any last few comments you want to add about this topic? I would say just on a quick little side note is yes. And all of you listeners are probably thinking about this too, is when you're bleeding that heavily, you may not be supplying yourself with enough iron throughout the month for the next bleed. So yeah, anemia, low iron deficiency anemia is very common. What's kind of interesting, which I don't know what the research is. I don't really see it, but just from what I see in my practice, that women that have low iron tend to have heavier periods, which then lowers their iron, which makes them have heavier periods. It's like Murphy's law. So a lot of times when you've corrected the actually their anemia, and there's lots of ways to do that without getting constipated or stomach ache or all that awful over-the-counter iron. But once you can do that, you can actually lighten their periods that way too. So like you said, we're not going to go into treatments on there, but I did want to kind of delve into a little bit of that iron. And just on another side note is, you know, I have my own personal experiences with this is you might have your own personal experiences with this. And if you, you know, we'd love to hear them, or if you have any questions or concerns or your own personal stories, we love that. Yeah, sure. Visit the website, ProgressureHealth.com, or you can send us an email if you feel more comfortable that way. Uh, help at ProgressureHealth.com. We do have a Facebook page. We haven't been as active on there in the past, but we are going to you know, try to work on that a little bit. I wouldn't say that social media is one of our strong suits, but it is something that is important. It's a great way to connect with people. It's a great way to interact and exchange questions and answers and you know whatever. So we will definitely participate in those areas in the future. So if you have nothing else to add, I think we can, uh, you know, put this one, kind of wrap this one up. So until another episode of the Progression Health Podcast, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progressure Health Podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressureHealth.com.